0: in. Okay, good for you. We, uh, we didn't sleep too much today. We had more of an exciting day of working with cattle. If you ever want to have an exciting afternoon, uh, come on out. We'll work with cattle. And uh, I always, I saw a guy with a t-shirt in Hickory Park one, one night. We were up there and had a picture of a cow. And it said said this, please forgive me for what I said when we were working cattle. And you who have worked with cattle know exactly what that means. Sometimes as you're working with with a critter or an animal that has a mind of its own and uh, doesn't want to do what you want it to do, you have to come up with creative ways to trick it. And uh, so we weren't working hard with cattle, but we were meeting with neighbors and talking about cattle. And So anyway, that was, that was our afternoon. God has blessed us. All of us could say amen to that. God has granted to us the privilege to know him, to serve him, to walk with him, to know the love of God that passeth understanding. God has truly blessed us. And my family and I, I just want to share with you a few blessings that we have had in the years, even before coming here to Altoona. In the years 1986 through 1998, the Lord gave my family and I the privilege of living in beautiful Colorado. Some of you have been there. Some of you have vacationed there. Some of you have traveled through there. But it was always my boyhood dream to move to Colorado. In high school, a friend of mine both kind of covenanted together. We were going to move to Colorado and we were going to work for the Forest Service. God had other plans for me and I didn't want anything to do with it. And I was kind of like Jonah, even though I didn't go on a ship and get thrown to a whale. God's plan for me still didn't change. But he got, uh, worked in my heart and, and got me to, and, and uh, changed my heart, changed my way of thinking. I did not want to, to go to Bible school. I did not want to pastor a church. I did not want to do what God wanted me to do. But God had his way, and praise God for that, that I said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And that he promised to bless, and he did. He promised to guide, and he did. The promise that he has given to me throughout the years has been unmeasurable. And as I've said to many of you before, I'm blessed beyond measure. My family and I moved to Colorado. There were two oldest girls, my wife and I, the uh, Krista and Adam. They were born while there, and we had the privilege to serve in that, in that uh, beautiful community. Our church actually sat at the foot of Pikes Peak. You'd walk out the the front door of that church and Pikes Peak was right there. And that God gave to us a a beautiful congregation, a church family, and uh, the sidelight was that we were able to go camping and hunting and fishing and rock climbing and all the things that uh, I love to do. God gave to me the privilege to do that. But more than that, God gave me the privilege to see souls saved and to see believers strengthened and edified and lives changed, including my own. That it certainly wasn't anything I did or could do, but it was all of God that God and his blessings gave to us the privilege to be changed by the word of God. And tonight I'd like for us to remind ourselves of that, that it's the word of God and the spirit of God working through the word of God. And the promises of God that give to us a life that's lived for God. There's a man in our church, I just share a couple of testimonies from, from families in that church. His name was Dave Satchka. Dave was a Green Beret. Fort Carson was down in Colorado Springs, and many people moved up to the mountains and they would commute down to the springs for uh, work. Dave was one of those. He was a Green Beret in the Army and he was a man that uh, you talked to him and he said I've been trained in human torture pick a number (laughs) and uh, he he was a very uh, rough not rough in character but just he was he was he was strong he was a man that that uh, was uh, mighty in stature he did training winter training in uh, Colorado Springs for high country winter training And Dave was a man who came with his family to church regularly. He would come and listen, but Dave was not saved. On one occasion, there was a family, a missionary family, the McCandless family. Dan and Sharon McCandless came. They were missionaries, excuse me, to the Navajo Indians in Arizona. And they came, and I remember to this day the song that they sang that God worked in Dave's heart and drew him to himself. And that song, I don't know if I've, I've seldom heard it, but it's a song that goes like this. My table's full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? Seems like all my children wanna gather round my table, but no one wants to work in my field. And that family had a testimony that they wanted to please God and to do what God called them to do. And there were several people in that church that just started bawling. And Dave was wondering, why are they crying? Well, someone had the opportunity to talk to him about the Lord and that God has given to to us the privilege to know him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Dave got saved God surrendered his life to the uh, Lord Jesus Christ and and he was saved. Another man I think of is Shane Kirkpatrick. Shane was uh, a young man. He was in in the Navy and uh, I don't know what he's doing in the Navy in the middle of Colorado. There's really no ocean to float a boat on but he was in the Navy went away and served and Shane uh, came back and he was in, involved in one of our evangelistic Bible school meetings and Shane gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember that I took him, there was commotion around everywhere and the only quiet place that I could take him was into the men's bathroom. And uh, we knelt there and, and asked the Lord, uh, he asked the Lord to save him. Uh, what a joy, what a thrill that these people came Uh, to know Christ and many people that that were there they grew in in the knowledge of God and through the eyes of faith they responded to God to his wonderful promises there's one lady one young lady in our church her name was Carrie and Carrie went away she went to Bible school and and got a registered an RN degree and uh I kept telling her, I was telling all the kids in the youth group, I said, keep your vision clear. Keep your vision clear. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes in the word of God. And may the word of God be your sufficiency. And that as we look tonight at this passage in 2 Peter, I want to ask us the question Where is our eyes tonight? What are we looking at? What are we longing for? What's our heart's desire? What's our our attitude towards the things of God? And I hope that tonight that we would reaffirm the, the commitment we have that the word of God would be that of which we long for, we hunger for, that which we dwell in and that which dwells in us. Through the eyes of faith, we respond to God To his wonderful promises, God says two things in His Word, and you say two? Yeah, two things. God said, God seeks to do two things through His Word, and those are found in Second Timothy chapter three, where Paul is talking to young Timothy. He says that from a young man thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are. Does anyone know what the rest of that verse says? which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The scriptures have been given to us, the word of God has been given to us to make us wise unto salvation, the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And from Genesis to Revelation, God gives to us his promises that spell out very clearly the plan that God had for a fallen human race that rebelled against God, that God would send his son to die. From the very beginning, God spoke to the serpent, and he told that serpent that thou shalt bruise the seed of the woman's... Uh, you, he, shall, he shall bruise his heel, but he will crush thy head. The serpent was given a promise from that very day that God was going to send his son And on throughout the scripture, God gives to us promises and gives to us indications that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The second thing that the word of God is, that it's profitable. 2 Timothy chapter 3 goes on, Paul tells Timothy, the word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Doctrine is what is right, reproof is what is not right. For correction is how to get right, and instruction in righteousness is how to stay right. And Paul said, Timothy, the word of God that you've learned is given to you to, to make you wise into salvation, but also to grow you, to mature you, to give you instruction in the ways of righteousness. Paul said, remind yourself of these things, that the man of God might be complete, Folks, tonight we need, as we are looking at this passage in 2 Peter, we need to be soaked in the word of God. The word of God means, needs to be that which we bathe ourselves in regularly, not just dripped or trinkled with, but that we need to soak ourselves in the word of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly seeking and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making grace in your hearts to the Lord the word dwell means to tabernacle it means to dwell it means to be that of which you draw from to make decisions you realize the word of God is given to you to make decisions every day that you live The word of God is given to you, and the promises of the word of God are given to you to cling to, to admonish you, to instruct you, to protect you. And as we'll look in this passage just real briefly tonight, that God has given to us the word of God to sustain us. May we not forget that we have an enemy we have an enemy that seeks to deceive, to destroy, to convince you that his way is best. The lights are are glimmering. The promises that Satan gives are enticing, but they will fail. And God says, "Beware of those men, those ones that seek to draw you away, seek to lead you astray." 2 Peter chapter 3, the promises of God, his word, shall be generally disbelieved. While also in Colorado, I learned the construction trade, somewhat. There's a guy in our church that was a builder, and he asked me if I'd help him. I said, I don't know anything about building. He said, well, I'll teach you. And so I started working with Kendall, and we we built some houses and and, uh, put together some structures and that one of the things that I learned about pastoring and building buildings, they're not the same. They're not the same. Because you see, as you, as you build a, a garage or a house, you lay the foundations, you put on the sill plate, you, you put the floor joists on, you lay the decking, you you know, put all, up the frame, you insulate plumb, why you do all those things, but you can't do it all in one day. So you lay the foundation, you, you put up certain things, and then you go home. And what do you expect? You expect to come back to find the structure just like you left it. I learned that's not the case in pastoring. That's not the case in, in ministering, because... What do we have as human beings? We are in the world and and we face obstacles and we face disappointments. We face hurts. We face temptations. We face trials. And when you meet with a person or you talk to a person or you preach the word of God and and the word of God goes forth with power and clarity and someone surrenders to, to God... And they say, okay, my life is just a bed of roses now. Wrong. God wants us to grow. God wants us to develop and mature and and to put things into our lives that would protect and preserve and, and, and defend. But when you come back, the house is not necessarily the way you left it. In each one of our lives that we have to daily bathe ourselves in the word of God. And allow the word of God to, to convict us, to teach us, to instruct us, to guide us. When Peter calls to mind the words of the Lord that, if you look over in chapter chapter 1, it says, For Christ, we are ey- eyewitnesses of his glory in verse 16. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The passage in Matthew chapter 17 gives us a little more instruction, and that Christ said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. And as we go through this life and as we, as we face obstacles and trials, God continues to compel us and command us. He says, Hear ye Him. And how do we hear the Lord? It's through the Word of God. The Word of God, he goes on and says, is not of private interpretation. But holy men of God, they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They rode and they were moved. And each one had their... their uh, own personality, and, and God used them to record the word of God. And Paul told Timothy that we need to take heed to the word of God as that which makes us wise into salvation and causes us to grow. If we neglect the word of God, it'll be to our detriment. If we neglect the word of God, it'll be to our hurt. If we neglect the Word of God, we will not grow, we will not mature. And as I told Carrie there that that day, and I continued to tell the young people there, keep your vision clear. Things that cloud our vision, our possessions, our fame, our fortune, many things will cloud our vision. But may we daily go to the Word of God and, and focus on the promises of God And that which God has given to us, that we might keep our vision clear. Seek ye first. What? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. Things. Realize I think of things and things that we need. I'm thankful for a house to live in. I'm thankful for food. Food. I'm thankful for clothing. I'm thankful for a car to drive. But those are just things. God said, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And depend upon him for all these other things. Hear ye him. In that passage in chapter 2 of 2 Peter, there was two men that are given to us an illustration concerning the word of God. Number one was Noah. And I'll just mention that Noah was mindful of the promise of God. What was the promise of God? Build an ark. Build an ark and I'll save you and your family. The promise of God was that he was going, and sometimes, by the way, the promise of God is not what we like to hear. Okay? The promise of God was that he was going to destroy the the earth. The promise of God was, Noah, you build the ark. The promise of God was, you take into that ark animals, you take into that ark your wife, your sons, their wives, and I'll spare you. Noah what? He believed God. He responded to the promises of God and God blessed him. Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. But then we have the story of Lot. And scripture also calls him a man, a righteous man. But a man who was neglectful, a man who was forgetful, a man who didn't pay attention to the word of God. God said, I'm going to destroy this city. You need to get your family out of here. Two angels came, and he was willing to sacrifice his daughters in exchange for those two angels. Angels spared them and, and pulled them out of the city and, and uh, uh, spared that man's life. But it says this, it says that he vexed his righteous soul. How? By day after day after day, looking and hearing the things of that city, that wicked city, and not cleansing his mind by the word of God. The word vex is just kind of a simple word. If I had Jim come up here and says, I'm going to vex your arm. It was just like, I just keep, maybe not real hard, but just keep pounding it and pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. If I keep doing that, my knuckles are going to go vexed, numb. Okay, it just simply means numb. He became numb with constantly seeing that. And how that we tonight can relate to that. The things of the world, the things that we go to work tomorrow and we hear and we see and and we witness. And instead of being a a recipient of those things, may we be an instrument of God and that we would share the word of God to those who desperately need Christ. He vexed his righteous soul by constantly listening and hearing. But here in Peter, I want to give you just three things, and this is just going to be mentioned. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on, but the promises of God. The promises of God are for our benefit. Every single promise uh, that has been given to us in the word of God, I don't know how many that is, but there's many. Some have been fulfilled, some have not. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed all the promises of God and many of those that he died without seeing. But if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at, we call Hebrews chapter 11 oftentimes the heroes of the faith. And every single one of those, you'll see, you'll read the word, by faith. By faith, what did Noah do? He built an ark, based on the promise of God, what God was going to do. By faith, what did Abraham do? He left his country, not knowing where he was going. By faith, what did Rahab do? By faith, and on and on, Enoch. And faith is not just some mystical word that we say, but by faith that we would respond to a promise. You see, faith is attached to the promises of God. By faith. And tonight, do you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you belong to him? You could say, I'm a child of faith. I'm a child who believes God. And may I ask you tonight to not just to believe God, but to respond to God. And that number one, that you would see the certainty established by his promises. The Lord, verse 9 of chapter 3 of Peter, the first thing I want us to just focus on is that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. As we sit here tonight and we live at the end, we're coming at the end of 2021. And we see what is God doing? What has God done? What will God do? And that God will be faithful. God is faithful. God will perform that which he has promised to do. Let your, let your manner of life be without covetousness, he says in Hebrews, for he has said, I will never what? I'll never leave you, I will never forsake you. God does not intend to, to leave us, to forsake us, but he intends for us to respond to his promise. Number two, not only do we have the certainty of his promise but we have the contemplation imposed by his promise look at verse 11 seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look, we look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. As we read the scriptures, as we go through the scriptures, and hopefully that is daily. What does that mean to me? Sometimes we get bogged down in the Old Testament. What does that mean to me? Do you realize that every passage of Scripture points us to the cross? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second coming of Christ in the air. Every passage of Scripture is about Him. And what does the Scripture say in Romans chapter 15? All these things were written that we might, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, that we might have hope. God has given to us his word that we would have hope. That we would be men and women that realize that we have a king who sent his son and his name is Emmanuel, God with us. That little babe in the manger—that as I remember, Lyle, you sharing with us, wrapped in grave clothes—the picture that Jesus was born to die. And on that day, on the cross of Calvary, the innocent died; the guilty went free. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That God would send his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. I was talking with James yesterday at the men's prayer breakfast. And he was talking about dowry and and the giving of. Seventy-five cows for a wife to purchase or to to give to to her husband for a dowry. And my mind automatically went back, what did God pay for me? What did God lay down for me? His dear son, Jesus Christ. And as I contemplate that, that one day he is coming again. To receive me unto himself, that where he is, there I may be also. The contemplation, and I think that my life, and I realize my life is not my own. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about attention that you can give, that I can get. It's not about me, but it's about him. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith in the promises of God. God sent his Son. What does that mean to me? God established his church. What does that mean to me? Christ is coming again. What does that mean to me? And those are just three promises. What about all the other promises in the Bible and the scriptures? What does that mean to me? For God so loved Larry Matson that he gave. For God so loved Larry Matson that he gave him a family, a church family. For God so loved the world that God is sending his son again. That if I don't won't die before then, he's going to receive me up into heaven. Praise God. Oh, that I might hold loosely to things of this world that they may grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We contemplate these promises... But folks, we need to contemplate the fact, what does that say to me? What does it say to me? Others may not follow, but I will follow. Others may not come, but I will come. Others may not speak, but I will speak. Others may not go, but I will go. As I contemplate the blessings of the promises of God and all that he's given to me, in His precious holy word, and by the way, I, I got a new Bible. I got a new Bible. You know why? It, my others, if you ever saw, it was the binding was broken and it was coming apart. And I started reading through Genesis again, and I, ca- I came to chapter 28, and it was gone. Twenty-eight was gone. And you know what I said? I'd better get a new Bible, because God says if man takes the Word of God, takes a part out of the Word of God, he'll take his name out of the Book of Life. So I went right over to Faith and got a new Bible. But God's Word is complete. It is that which has been given to us to to complete our life, to to make our life effective, that we would grow. What does all these have to do with me? May we ask ourselves that question. And then finally tonight in verse 14 is the urgency demanded. We have the certainty established, the contemplation imposed, and now the urgency demanded. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace, without spot and blemish. Found of him in peace, If you read back in Isaiah chapter 9, it says that the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. It says that unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, The everlasting Father. The Prince. Of peace. Of his government there shall be no end. As he has established it. And ordains it. There will be no end to it. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That we are a child of the King. That we are a child of his birthing us. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. Then I heard my master speaking, come and draw from the well that never shall run dry. And may we tonight draw from the word of God, the word of God that would bathe us, that would cleanse us, That we would not just allow us, allow the word of God to drip on us, but that we would actually bathe ourselves in the word of God daily. Tonight, do you belong to the king? Are you a child of his love? He says he'll never forsake his own. Do you know him? Tonight, he wants you to walk with him. In the very last verse of Peter, 2 Peter 3, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God expects us to grow. God expects us to become more like him today, tomorrow, the next day. Oh, may we tonight turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and that the things of earth would grow, oh, so strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Grow in grace, he says, and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we come together and meet together and hear the word of God together and when we read the word of God, ourselves, when we study God's Word, it's not just, it's not a pep talk, okay? It's an opportunity that we have to know our God, to know him in his fullness, in his completeness, in his sufficiency, and that we would say to God, God, thank you for being faithful to me. And Daniel chapter 11 speaks of those people going through the tribulation period. It says, but those who do know their God shall be strong. Those that do know their God shall be strong. They shall do exploits. They shall be, do wonders for him. And it's not that we come and just need to be, you know, pepped up. No, we need to know God. For to whom to know is life everlasting. May God use His word tonight to instruct us, to protect us, to fortify us, and to realize that we live in a wicked and perverse nation. But He says that, May ye shine as lights. May ye shine as lights. God has given to us peace, the hope of God that brings that peace. And may we ask him to use us, use us tomorrow, use us in the days to come. And may we look to the word of God with the eye of faith in responding to the promises of God.